I'm Heidi Harris. Welcome to the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can find these podcasts at iTunes, Heidi Harris Show. You can subscribe for free or you can find them at HeidiHarris.com. I also post them on my social media, Heidi Harris Show on Facebook and Twitter, Heidi Harris Show. And Heidi, by the way, is spelled H-E-I-D-I for those who don't know. Somebody asked me that the other day. How do you spell Heidi? I said, okay. Also, you can listen to my live show broadcast from the Las Vegas Strip Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 670 a.m. KMZQ in Las Vegas. That's 670 a.m. on the a.m. dial there. KMZQ. It's the brand new conservative talk station in Las Vegas with a great conservative lineup of actual conservatives. It is the conservative alternative in Las Vegas it's KMZQ, Talk You Can Trust, 670 a.m. I'm there weekdays, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. live. And there's a link to that if you want to listen live on my website, HeidiHarris.com. So check it out. I am watching with amusement this particular election season in Las Vegas as the Democrats are cannibalizing each other. This is pretty funny. Usually, the right does this. Now, you've got Chris Giunchiliani, county commissioner, and Steve Sisolak, county commissioner, who are going at each other, obviously running in the primary to be the next governor, and they're attacking each other, and the most important thing is they're spending a lot of money. This is fantastic. This is what Republicans usually do wrong. They generally have a real conservative and a rhino conservative and somebody in the middle running, and they're all battling with each other, wasting a lot of money, attacking each other. And by the time they get through the primary, they're so bloodied and broke that they can't possibly make it to the general election. Now, we still have a couple of races in Nevada this year that are like that, where the primaries are ugly. Um, I've advised some candidates to just drop out of the race because I don't think it's going to do them any good to stay till the primary. But you know what? No one listens to me. So, And I've had politicians over the years ask me for advice. And I've actually had some say to me later on, you know what? I should have listened to you. Not that I'm any political strategist because I am not. But people ask me for my advice. And I've certainly seen a lot of things done badly. And when I give somebody advice, sometimes... You know, they ought to at least consider it, but, you know, we'll see. They want to spend their money and their time. It's their option to do. But it is fun. Now we've got Tick Segerbloom, who was against the stadium. I'll give Tick Segerbloom credit for one thing in this universe, and that's the fact that he didn't want the stadium. Now, he and I disagree on pot and a lot of other things, pretty much everything else, but we agree on the stadium. So now there's a member of the union. Obviously, the unions are going to benefit hugely from the construction on the stadium. So now they've got a member of the union who's running against Tick Sagerbloom. Now, you may know, and you should know, this is how politics works usually. And this is what happens with judges and people like that. You make somebody mad, and what they do is they get someone to run against you. Throw a lot of money at that person. Try to bloody you. Try to keep you out of office or have you not reelected or not gained higher office, whatever it might be. And they're trying to keep Tick Segerbloom from taking a seat on the county commission, which is fine by me. Anyway, so now apparently there's a tweet out there alleging that he beats women. You know, the thing is, and I don't know if he's ever beaten women or not, but the problem is, and it's been a problem for a long time, you can say so much more about a candidate if you are running against them or if you are running their campaign than I could ever get away with on the radio. I could never get on the radio and say, hey, did you hear so-and-so beats women? You know the old joke about how long has it been since you stopped beating your wife, right? The idea that you can make sometimes very scurrilous allegations against somebody 
And by the time they sue you, and sometimes they do sue, and sometimes they do prevail. There have been some politicians in Nevada and other places who have actually sued. But by then, the campaign's over. By then, the voters have made their decision. By then, your reputation is ruined, and it's going to come up again and again and again. And the problem with Google and all that stuff is that if you do something terrible, or if you're accused of something terrible, Google will remember it forever. So even if you go to court, even if you try to get your reputation back, ultimately you can't do it because it's going to show up and people are going to look online, take a cursory glance at what it says about you and not bother looking into the details. And it's very, very difficult. And we have candidates running right now and candidates who have run in the past and will run in the future. And they still have one or two things hanging over their head. They come back again and again and again. Some of those have been resolved. Some of those have been proven to be false, the allegations, yet they still come back. That's the way it goes. So I'm fascinated to watch the Democrats go after each other and drain each other's coffers, especially in the case of, for example, as I mentioned, the governor's race. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, you've got a couple of Republicans running for governor, obviously. You've got Dan Schwartz, who's currently the treasurer, and you've got Adam Laxalt. Now, Adam Laxalt's obviously going to have more money, but it'll be fun to see what happens between Sisolak and June Kiliani, because i got to tell you, if Sisolak wins, this place is going to be like East California as if it isn't already, right? Now, Christian Kiliani, she's, she's bad, but he's worse. I mean, it's worse or worser. This election reminds me a lot of the presidential election when a lot of people felt they didn't have a choice between Trump and Hillary, and a lot of people didn't. They felt like they had to hold their nose and go to the polls. Well, almost every election I do that to a certain extent. There are people I like more than others, but in general, you pretty much have to hold your nose and vote. Now, let's talk about the culinary union strike. As you know, that is looming. We don't know if it's going to take place or not. They're, they've now voted 99% to strike after June 1st. You know what amazes me about the culinary union, besides a lot of other things, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts, if you want to hear that, my most recent podcast before this one, I talked extensively about it. A lot of these folks live paycheck to paycheck, and they're not making a lot of money. And if they miss one or two car payments, their car's gone. They miss one or two rent payments, they're out. House payments, whatever, they're done. And it's a lot harder for the people who are living paycheck to paycheck to be able to weather this storm. And I still haven't heard whether or not the union officials will be living on strike pay. Oh, wait, that's probably not going to happen. Anyway, there are people who are experts in the tourism industry who are saying this could be devastating. You know, one of the things that irritates me about striking, and this has happened in the past, where the strikers were very rude to the tourists. And they'll put out these bulletins and they have these websites where they'll warn tourists not to come to Vegas because there's a strike. And in the middle... Th- they settle the strike. They're begging people to come back. Oh, it's safe. You can come back now. You know what? You can't treat our tourists badly. If you've got problems and it's going to be on the street, I realize that they do decide to strike. But ultimately, stop treating our tourists bad. I mean, there were times, I think it was the Cosmo they were picketing a couple of years ago, and they were spitting on the tourists and throwing things at them and just acting like total thugs on the picket line. And that's the kind of thing that can make a tourist never come back to Vegas. So if there is a strike, I don't want to hear these strikers, these union members trashing the city. It's ridiculous. And of course, sales tax revenue will be affected. Everything will be affected by it. But the biggest issue is going to be the people who are the rank and file union members who are not going to recover from something like this. In 1984, I remember that strike. My dad walked the picket line and that thing went on for 67 days, 67 days. It cost the city a million dollars a day, they say. And I remember it. Now, remember the frontier strike that went on for, I think it was five years or something. You don't recover from that, never, because you're off that long. 
And so is it really going to benefit the city for them to spend that much time out? I don't think so. Another problem, of course, is that the union's asking for way too much. They're asking for guarantees that people won't be fired because of technology. And when you tell union members that that's even a possibility, you're lying to them. The bottom line is whenever there's been a strike or whenever technology comes in, people lose their jobs and there's nothing the union can do about it. When the change girls, I don't know if change girls were ever union or not, but when the change girls all got replaced by these bill acceptors on the machines, I don't remember anybody crying about that. And if cocktail waitresses get replaced by margarita machines, they'll still need them. But ultimately, if they get replaced by margarita machines and things like that, customers are going to make the decision on that. If customers want to see a hot cocktail waitress, and I hate to tell you this, but when's the last time you saw one of those? Most of these girls are cocktail asauruses. Sorry, but they are. <laughs> so the, the hot cocktail waitress is pretty much a gone thing here in Vegas. Maybe a few places have them. The newer places, but the older places don't. Maybe the customers say, we don't care. We just want our drink quickly. We don't really care who brings it to us, a machine, a person. Customer service has gone out the window in most places anyway. So what's going to ultimately make the decision as to whether or not people want a cocktail waitress or not is going to be customer desire. And if customers don't really care if a cocktail waitress brings them a drink, then they don't really care. And so technology may replace them, may replace bartenders. People will be able to, be able to get their own drinks for free if they're gambling. Who knows what technology will do? But the problem is if people start to price themselves out of jobs, that's why technology takes over. Cashiers in supermarkets, for example, make a pretty good living. And that's why there's now self-serve in those little check stands. I don't use the self-serve check stands. Personally, I can't stand them. Some people use them. I guess it saves the company money on benefits, retirement, hourly wage, and whatnot. So companies have to decide. And if the customers adopt them, and I know a lot of customers who love self-serve checkouts. My husband's one of them. Loves a self-serve checkout. Doesn't want to deal with a checker. Personally, I can't stand them. But ultimately, I will lose. I will lose the battle because most customers will say, yes, I'd rather have that than some checker who screws things up or isn't that nice or whatever. So if people start to price themselves out of a job, technology will take over and that's what may happen in the casino business. And for the unions to tell people that they are going to get involved in that and tell companies, nope, you can't fire them because a machine comes in, you can't promise that. So stop lying to your union membership and telling them you can protect their jobs. You can't. And if you do that, what are you saying? Are you trying to protect a guy who sells typewriters, his job too? I mean, as time marches on and job skills change and demands of the workplace change, people need to adapt or they're going to be left behind. So the union, as far as I'm concerned, needs to be able to have, and I think they used to, or maybe they still do have some kind of training. They have need to have training for people to help them stay in some other union job, if that's what they want, that may be completely different than what they're doing now. But technology is going to take over more and more and more. I mean, look at the people who have to pay for parking. And most places you pay for parking, you don't even talk to an attendant. You have to go to some stupid machine, which I consider, frankly, First of all, I don't go any place I have to pay for parking unless I absolutely have to. It's a business lunch or something. I don't choose to go to a place where I pay for parking ever. But if I have to, I get a little annoyed that I have to go to a stupid machine and pay for parking because I don't like the fact that my back is turned to the parking lot while I'm doing it. I know some places you can pay inside, but I don't like it. I feel vulnerable. And when you're a female, your objective is to get out of that elevator and into your car as fast as possible and not have to stop at a stupid machine. But you can't even pay a cashier as you drive out. That's the way they should do it. 
They should have an actual live body checking you out, but they don't do that. Why? Because it saves them even more money. So as people price themselves out of jobs and they find that machines do a better job, folks are going to lose their jobs. It's just going to happen. And the union can't promise anything like that. That's one of the things that the unions are really pushing for this time. So we'll see what happens. But is it going to cripple Las Vegas if it happens? I think it'll be a problem. But in the, you know, in the big scheme of things, maybe this town will finally get smart and get rid of the unions. And I'm not anti-union, but the culinary union wields a ridiculous amount of power. I mean, these are people who are cleaning rooms. These are not engineers. These are not software engineers. These are not doctors. These are people cleaning rooms. And it's not that they're not important. It's just that they're more easily replaced. So we're allowing a union that represents 50,000 people to hold an entire county hostage that has over 2 million people in it. How is this okay? How is this happening? So maybe this will be the year that they actually stand up and they tell the union to pound sand. Should be interesting to see. Once again, I'm not anti-union, but I think these people are pushing it way too far this year. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget to join me for my daily show live from the Las Vegas Strip, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. 6.70 a.m. is the station, KMZQ. That's 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. weekdays on 6.70 a.m. KMZQ. And don't forget to pick up my new book, Don't Pat Me on the Head, it's called Blowbacks, setbacks, and comebacks in Vegas radio kind of chronicles my 20-year career in radio, ups and downs I've had, and how I pick guests, and how I plan the show, and behind-the-scenes radio stuff, and it's pretty cool. I think you'll like it. Everybody who's read it so far tells me they love it. So great. It's called Don't Pat Me on the Head. It's available on Amazon. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.